0: This podcast is the fifth episode of Novel Writers' The Warm-Up. Novel Writers is a monthly event organized by Spike Island in partnership with Bristol Festival of Ideas.
1: Today I receive Alia Trabuco-Zeran for her first novel The Remainder, published in English in 2018 by the wonderful publishing house and other stories. The original version of the novel was written in Spanish under the name La Resta and has been published in 2014 by Editorial DemiPage, a Spanish publishing house and translation agency. Alia, Trabuco, Zeran, I'm very happy to have you with us today as we are going to go through a lot together. (laughs) First on this podcast, we are going to talk about your writing process, the work behind the books you write, and especially the work behind The Remainder. And this this podcast will be a perfect way to warm up before tonight's event, when I will interview you about the novel itself, The Remainder, in the lovely Café of Spike Island in Bristol, in front of an audience. So, uh, I know that you are from Chile, I know that you live in London. Is this your first time in Bristol? It's not, actually. Um, ah. Well, first, thank you for this invitation, really. With Julie. pleasure.
2: Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be back in Bristol, actually, ah. because um, last year I, I was working for a few months in the, in the Latin American Studies Department of the University of Bristol. Oh, so right. I actually got to really love this city uh, during those months working with them.
1: Okay, so it's kind of a, a return. Yes, it is. It. I hadn't been back since since I was working
2: with them. So it's really nice, even though it's a bit drizzly, a bit rainy and a bit cold, <laughs> But I won't complain that much. Quite windy today.
1: (laughs) Well, welcome back. Thank you. Uh, Alia Traboukozeran, you started your career as a human rights activist and you wrote several essays on feminism, on language and violence. So how and why did you start to write fiction? Mm, It's a a good question. Well, you
2: know, um, (laughs) it's all very connected. I I started... uh, Writing fiction when I was very young, actually, way before, uh, way before the time I actually got into law school. I, I studied international human rights law so in the in the University of Chile. Uh, but but my connection with literature goes uh, way way from way back. Um, I I always went to literary workshops, readings, and I, I secretly wrote poems and all Ooh. those adolescent things, and then uh, started taking it more serious. Um, so so it wasn't really like a big shift. I I kind of when the moment I started uh studying law I immediately realized it wasn't uh, a path that I would uh that I would keep on following um not in a traditional way anyway. So that's when I was I decided I needed to take my literature seriously. Uh, if I didn't do it nobody would do it for me. So exactly. so I just I just decided to retire very early. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and when you say taking your literature uh, very seriously, what do you mean? Did you have like the ambition of publishing a book already or was your ambition was to just write a good book or
2: I, I think um I think my I did not I d I didn't I don't think I had like a clear ambition. I just knew I wanted to learn how to write better you know Uh, and to make my writing better and that I knew that would require uh, just uh, a lot less talent than work you need some talent you need a lot of work Uh, so so I I just wanted to give myself that opportunity and so that's when I applied to uh, a couple of grants to um, to go and study this MFA in creative writing in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I got the, one of the grants, I was just so happy because that would mean two years of, uh, of writing. Of writing. We'll, was, we'll get
1: back to this in, yeah. a, uh, later, sorry, in the podcast. But I was wondering, you, you say, like, taking your writing seriously, what was it you, was, what was it you were writing before, was it...? Uh, short stories I wrote
2: short stories I, I I kept a journal but mostly short stories when um, you were a teenager or... uh, when I was uh, well while, while a teenager but then also later on like when I was 20 23 24 okay. w- right mm-hmm. the moment I finished um law school I was writing a lot of uh, short stories but I felt like I needed like I wanted to write in a different way that I was I There was something I wanted to explore and I wasn't very sure what it was. I guess only now, retrospectively, I can say that I feel that I am a bit more aware. Of, of what I wanted but it's always like I guess literature is always about trying to find things you don't really know what they and you don't really know what they are so. yes <laughs> you're like kind of constantly lost but I'm a bit less lost now than I was uh, back then
1: that's very that's very good to hear <laughs> <laughs> uh, I read somewhere that you have a and by somewhere uh, it's on internet <laughs> uh, you have a father in the filmmaking industry and a mother who is a journalist uh, I was wondering, was literature a big thing in your family? Did it take a lot of space, a lot of space in your chal- childhood?
2: Yeah, well, I have to say, um, I think uh, the fact that uh, my mother is uh, a journalist, but particularly a cultural journalist, and ah, she has written many books, uh, her uh, like essays and also her interviews. And my dad's a, a film producer, so it was a house that was constantly filled with interesting, weird people uh, <laughs> and writers, and yeah. and it's uh, there are many. Books at my parents' house, and And I. And you
1: probably saw your mother working on her books. On her books, and and
2: it was something that made me very proud. And I think uh, it's interesting, like it weirdly, my decision to study law was really weird for them. Like why? <laughs>
1: uh, I wanted to why be a, don't want to yeah. have a normal job? Yeah,
2: like, be a writer. <laughs> so it took me a while to realize that. So <laughs> I, much pressure. I was exactly I, I was as weird as them. So <laughs> so but yes, it was a house with uh, that was um I think my childhood was very peculiar in the sense that I was constantly surrounded by literature one way or the other and mm. I read from very I like i i learned to really love uh reading from when i was really really young
1: so. i see and so your mother tongue is Chilean spanish yes uh but you completed some degrees especially one in creative writing in new york yeah so in an english speaking country and i was Ish ish. <laughs> thank you for this. <laughs> I
2: was wondering in which language do you write? No, I only I I write in Spanish. My my LM, the, the MFA that I did at NYU, uh it's a, an MFA in creative writing in Spanish. Uh, ah. it's, a, it's in the Spanish department. It's well, quite unique. The internet
1: doesn't say that. Yeah, it, it's
2: it's quite unique. <laughs> I didn't know. It's, it's mm. peculiar. There are a couple other now uh, MFA's in in Spanish in the United States, which many call now a Hispanic country. so <laughs> <That's> but, <right. laughs> and And actually then I, I, I did um, a PhD here uh, yes. at UCL. And what happened then was quite interesting because my supervisor all of a sudden asked me, do you want to write this in English or in Spanish? And I was like... I didn't know I could write it in Spanish. Do you have the option? <laughs> yeah, and she was yes, especially with a thesis like the one that I wanted to write. I think it. She said it makes sense for you to actually write it in your mother tongue. So I wrote it in Spanish.
1: Ah, oh, so, I didn't know. Yeah.
2: So okay. and that's that came out last week as a book, as an essay book. All um, right. Yeah. Well so, done. <laughs> thank you. But um, so my I think my relationship uh, with English is I read uh, literature. That is written originally in English in English um, so I won't find a Spanish translation but my relationship with writing is exclusively in Spanish All right. I feel very 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 far away from English uh, as a writer you know I, I for me like the emotions are just in Spanish.
1: <laughs> I see. So my last, my next question is totally irrelevant because I was wondering uh, if you had the same voice in Spanish and in English, and so. No, I guess. No. <laughs> but I have many voices in
2: Spanish, don't we all? I'm guessing you have many voices in French. You just yes, have to find and those. And yeah.
1: your first novel, *The Remainder, showed your ability of <laughs> using <laughs> different kind of voices very well. <laughs> uh, my next question is about you building yourself as a writer. How did you? Became a writer. What did you study? What helped you to become a good writer?
0: Hmm.
1: Is that books that you read? Is that this uh, MFA you took that makes you a good writer? Well, I think. I think for me this this is
2: something that's still going on. Like I I feel I'm constantly on the making. Like my writing is very much. Uh, it's a project that's ongoing so for me uh, that project of, of writing different types of books so the first was was the remainder that that's a novel and then I wrote this essay uh, so it's all different voices I would say the only common element is uh, how much I read uh, when I wrote and how much I worked like I really worked on that's those books Very important. so I, I, I just Whenever, you know, when you're writing something and you have this strange feeling like the paragraph doesn't quite work, you're not really sure why. And if you're tired, you just keep on going. Mm-hmm. So I try never to do that. I just Very try to stay discipline. there. <laughs> mm. Just stay there and, and figure out what's what's going on. And if mm. it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And mm. try not to be anxious about publishing. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to take that anxiety away from writing because if, if you're if you're too anxious about that, you might end up publishing things that are not yours, yours or not as good as what you can get to do with mm. if you if you actually work on them a bit more. So.
1: I think as writer, we always know deep down that if we are writing at the very moment is good or not, and sometimes we just take the decision not to give not to give attention to this bad writing just because it's too much to do at the moment. Yeah. It's too much to carry about. Yeah. So but i know what you mean you have to have the discipline just to face this paragraph and to make it happen to make yeah. it good somehow
2: yeah yeah exactly yeah. and and to just uh to just connect with that intuition that intuition that sometimes say this is great keep on going and that sometimes t- say oh no no no, no. <laughs> like, <the> more, <laughs> you know, like you know you know it's it. not good yeah
1: so <laughs> And what did you learn the most from your MFA in creative writing in uh, New, York, U, sorry, New York University? Um, so I think what was absolutely
2: life-changing for me is that I had, uh, it was 20 of us, so 20 students, and we came from all over Latin America
0: oh, uh, nice. and Spain.
2: Uh, we have a, had a couple of classmates that were from Spain, and that put me in contact, put me in touch with such a broad tradition of literature, like I had read the Argentinians, uh, all of Latin America tend to uh, read a lot of the, of the Argentinian canon, uh, but then all of a sudden I was reading what was written in Bolivia and in Peru and in Mexico, and all of a sudden my, my view of Latin American literature really, really broadened, uh, so that was so enriching for me, and also I made friends forever, so it was, it was that, um, connection with, a. Uh, such a broad variety of languages it's Spanish but it's it's, it's all very different very complex, and, it's, different it's, it's, and it, that's fascinating for me and that was really enriching and and they were all brilliant and they were very helpful when I was writing the remainder uh, during that course and it was really nice to have their feedback uh, sometimes heartbreaking and sometimes mm-hmm. really like just very useful uh, so I think that was in many levels for me that was a life-changing experience it was my first time out, outside my country so that was also like who am I in this new country you know it's like uh, when, that moment in life when you're just changing who you are and who you want to be
1: mm. so. and I was wondering why did you do this MFA in the US and not in Chile it doesn't exist
2: yeah. actually oh, Right. so this uh,
1: the The um, more the less
2: theoretical and more like application uh, or like practice based uh, masters. uh, It's a very uh, anglophone tradition, you know. Creative writing, as such, uh, really started uh, existing in Latin
1: America in the past five years. I would say it's exactly the same in France, and it's very, very, very new. It's very new, very immature at the moment as well. So if you want to be uh if you want to be a student in creative writing and you're French, you have to go in anglo saxon countries just like the u k or the u s exactly like like for Chilean people. ah look at that but mm. now in France, you also have new creative
2: writing courses or not just... very new? very few very few also
1: because it's not in the tradition of literature in France yeah. to be taught to be a writer yeah. we still have the idea that if you like you're born as a writer and you don't get trained to be a writer, mm. which to my opinion um Okay, no, I'm not going to give my opinion. No, but give your opinion, clear. please. Let's, let's say <laughs> that it's one of the reason why I moved to the UK. <laughs> yeah, because you can learn. Yeah, because yeah. I know that writing is something that is a craft. My vision of literature
2: is uh, not romantic at all. Mm, good. Uh,
1: it's it's for me. It's about the work. It's about
2: the passion as well. Like uh, having a lot of passion and persistence and connecting with your desire. And if you're if you have all that and you really want to work and you love literature and you read, don't be like the, I hate. Writers who say it, I don't read, I find that I really. Never,
1: I never, really wrote. I never really met. Sorry, uh, a writer who said I never read. Oh,
2: I've met many. It's a disaster. Really? Yeah, it's embarrassing. It's like ridiculous.
1: It is embarrassing. So,
2: so for me, it's like reading and then, yeah, working as you say, working on your craft. Uh, so, so this is why I moved to to the US to to do this. It didn't exist. Uh, it oh, it exists. Right. There were two. Uh, uh, this was 2009 when I applied. Mm. So there were two masters in creative writing in Spanish, one in New York and one in Spain. And, okay. and I, went to New York. Um, I have a deep admiration for many writers uh, that I go back to. One of them is um, the German-Romanian um, writer Herta Müller. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I read her books, I just find what she does with language uh, very close to magic. She's, uh, her, the way, the, how smart she is and how lyrical she can be and the images she builds. It's like a metaphor on top of a, of a metaphor on top of a metaphor. It's just for me something that's very moving. Um, so I would say I go back to her a lot. There is a Chilean writer that I don't think has been translated into English. He, he was translated very fast into French. Mm. His name is, uh, was uh, Carlos Droguet. And okay. he, uh, he wrote this novel called Patas de Perro, which is also a novel that I go back to because there's something there as well with the rhythm and the, and the language that uh, is a trigger for me. Mm-hmm. It triggers my imagination. So that's the sort of writers that I will go back to. And, and there are many also contemporary writers that I'm really excited about. Uh, in Chile there's also Lina Meruane, uh, whose novel... Um, it's called Seeing Red in English. Uh, I, I really recommend it to everyone. Also, she works uh, like very in a very smart way with language. So I think that's what I'm attracted to the most, writers who, who are working with language in exciting ways. Uh, so I must admit that I don't care that much about the plot.
1: Ah, very <laughs> interesting. Yeah,
2: I mean, I, I enjoy it. a, mm-hmm. a, a plotty, fun novel and... and, and, and and I I admire it as well um, when that's well done. Uh, but the moments where I'm more moved, where when I'm more uh, compelled, and when when I feel I want to write, like when you're you know when you're reading, and all of a sudden you say I just need to write something. Mm-hmm. That's when ri- it's with writers that are uh, usually. Uh, just working more with the language and less with the plot. Somehow. That's so
1: interesting. To me, every time I read Elena Ferrante, uh-huh. I have this feeling uh-huh. that I have to write. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think I'm less moved uh, than you about the rhythm uh-huh. and about the language experimentation. And I'm very, I'm always very, very touched by characters. Uh-huh. And yeah. If they express their feeling, and especially if they express their doubts, yeah. and if they don't know what they're feeling, this is the moment I want to write. Oh, that's amazing, <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. But it's, not, it's no piece of cake to write complex characters, so that's uh, that's really something that I admire as well.
1: Mm, and we are going to talk about your characters, your three main characters in uh, from The Remainder. We are going to talk about them tonight in the event, so please people, come to the Novel Writers event in Spike Island because it's also a good adi- addition to this podcast that was a commercial part of the podcast <laughs> um next question is how do do you start to write a story with what do you start with well i guess like everyone I'm
2: just a blank page uh and and face it and okay. and you know because lately i've been writing more short stories again uh, okay. just trying to bring myself to to go back to a novel that i'm trying to work on and i find myself uh trying to keep the pressure out by saying to myself
1: I'm not working on it
2: <laughs> yeah no and by saying to myself this is a blank page it doesn't really matter it's going to mm-hmm. take me ages to write this short this this short story this paragraph means nothing because I'm going to work on it for days and days and it's going to change so that keeps keeps the the, the first moment mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. less less um, awful <laughs> and a bit more approachable so I, I don't have a great uh, fear now to to starting something new it's uh, my fears to is to not have enough time to to um, just to to submerge myself into into big projects because uh I do realize that uh, literature do require does require a lot of time so
1: and how do you find the time
2: um well to... it's it's hard uh mm-hmm. especially well when you're trying to find a job you don't have it you're constantly doing applications and it's mm-hmm. a, a it's a very tiring and a bit uh anxiety uh Kind of mood. It's an an anxious move uh, mood. I mean, and mm-hmm. so so I just uh, try to whenever I I I know I will have a week, for example, I'll take that week quite seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was writing the PhD, I kept some days apart in order to be able to to write some fiction. Uh, and in the end what I did was to bring in some fiction into the PhD.
1: Oh, that's a very smart move.
2: <laughs> so I tried to to, to tr- I try to make work mm. coincide with literature, which is almost impossible, but sometimes it, it is possible. Oh, so I know the
1: feeling. Oh yeah. So, yeah. All right. And are you the kind of writer who writes at night or by day? in general by day. Um,
2: when i was writing the remainder i there was a, a few nights where i would stay until about, i don't know two or three in the morning but um but mostly it's, it, it's like a for me it's like uh, the day is fine and also mm. i have very i have very few kind of superstitions you know the writers who take their shoes off on whatever <laughs> i don't know you know like yeah i okay. I, I wrote the remainder uh in my r- rented room in Brooklyn part of it was written in the public library in New York part of it was written in the public library in Buenos Aires and so it was many public libraries because Mm -hmm. I don't have a big house and and I don't have a desk Mm -hmm. so it's it's wherever I can and right now and my, my non-fiction book was fully written at the British Library
1: Oh that's so, great to know. So that you yeah. don't need to be this isolated right now. Lost in an island. It's possible even though you don't own a desk.
2: Yeah, mm. I don't I, I wish I did. I really like I'm I'm in this I I, I reread last year A Room of, of One's Own of Virginia uh, Woolf, and I was like, Oh my god, I really need this, like the money and the room <laughs> but right now I don't have uh, that so I, I just adapt and mm. and it's not so bad really. The British libraries have a very privileged space and it's amazing how how many books they have in in Spanish. Like all of a sudden, I want to read something that came out a month ago, and it's
1: there. So it's I, okay. I've never been there. it's yeah. one of my dreams. To... I really recommend it. I yeah. think the French collection is also very very. I can good. guess. I yeah. can guess. Yeah, maybe maybe one day. Yeah. <laughs> do you have some t- someone? Sorry, do you have someone who read your work while you're writing it? Yeah. 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 How
2: yeah. do you um, how do you choose those people? Uh, I think it's uh it's. People who whose work I respect and I admire. Uh, so it's uh, particular to to women. And whose names I won't give in. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> because they might be stolen by anyone. No, they're wonderful <laughs> readers. And I read their works as well. So we have like a, a, a thing going on. Um, a writer's group kind yeah, of. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and yeah, I just... Uh, I only ask them to be honest and critical. Uh, mm-hmm. I, there's a first moment when you're like very... Oh my God, she hated it. Like uh, a resistance to criticism. And, mm. but there's a second moment when when it, and this always happens to me. Like first I get mad, mm. and then I'm like, "You're completely right." Mm. So I start working uh, and keep on working. And mm. as I
1: said, I think working is really important. <laughs> do you ask them? Do you ask them specific questions? Do you ask them like, "Can you tell me more?" Uh, what do you think about this character? Or What do you think about the rhythm? Or you just give them the work and then they give back well, to you any kind of feedbacks? Well,
2: um, mm. if if I have specific questions, I'll ask them. But I try not to lead their reading. So maybe they will find uh, mistakes or things that they don't like that I haven't seen. So I better not just lead them to wherever I want them to go. And in the case of the remainder, because this was uh, partly... it was uh, I started writing it while I was doing the course... It was read by a lot of people over and over again, and then I had a tutor, uh, so I gave it to her, and, um, and she is Lina Medwane, this uh, Chilean writer, and she was very specific, very encouraging, very critical, and uh, I really owe her a lot uh, of, of, uh, of, of her, to her reading, she was very generous.
1: So. Oh, that sounds like the dream to me. <laughs> <laughs> what is the most difficult thing for you when it comes to writing? it can be anything it could be just uh, craft wise or life wise
2: well i would say on a more intimate level is self doubt mm-hmm. uh when when i just feel sometimes i just feel very insecure so it's hard to overcome that and just ignore it and mm-hmm. keep on going uh so that's one thing and and then um and then I would say I'm, I'm still having, and I don't think this will ever end, which is a bit depressing, but I'm still finding, finding it very hard to, uh, to kind of make writing a, a constant part of my life because uh, it, I feel it's constantly interrupted, interrupted by material needs, uh, which happens to absolutely everyone. Um, mm. But right now is a particularly uncertain time for me, so it is a, it, it is a moment when now I have more time, Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I need to find a job or do mm-hmm. this other thing. So this co- com- to try to 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 find a balance mm-hmm. uh, between material needs and 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 the less material world of writing. I find it quite a challenge.
1: I do. I do believe so, and I do understand you. I, yeah. I feel you on that one. And what is the easiest thing for you when it comes to writing? Maybe not the easiest, but the most. Uh, joyful are the most enjoyable thing yeah well sometimes when
2: I connect with what I'm doing and 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 I'm kind of I feel like I'm like like I'm somewhere else uh it usually happens when I find a voice and and a rhythm and Mm -hmm. I kind of start hearing that and that triggers my imagination in ways that I didn't know so that when that happens uh for me it's one of the most amazing feelings in life. It's all of a sudden it's 2 p.m., and all, then I look at the clock and it's 8. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you lost track. Yeah. Mm. And that's uh, when that happens, uh, and it happened uh, a few times with the remainder. Um, that for me is something that's just, I feel so privileged to to be able to go away.
1: <laughs> I, I was wondering, uh, because this is your first uh, published novel, if I'm right you wrote some short stories before that but how many did you did you write any other novel before that one that didn't get published i mean this is your first published novel did no. you write something else this is my before?
2: first novel and my first published novel
1: i wrote uh, short stories
2: that i don't pretend to uh, want to publish those okay. are like i i, I don't that I want to ever publish those Mm -hmm. I want to publish the ones that I've been writing in more recently um, Mm -hmm. but that was my first shot at a novel and but it's it's interesting because it's a novel that I knew I wanted to write for many years before I started writing it and then when I started writing it I knew I wanted to publish it so it was like for me it was like now I'm going to do it. You
1: were sure about this one. Yeah, so Mm. it
2: wasn't... uh, I didn't have many doubts about that. Um, But no, and I don't have other abandoned novels... uh, after that one, well, sort of one, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> sort of, <won. laughs> but of one, I, but I, I wrote 10 pages, uh, doesn't it? It doesn't matter, it yeah. <laughs> doesn't count that one. <laughs> so yeah, I abandoned that one. But no, yeah, so it um, was my first. And
1: how did you manage to have uh, The Remainder published? Did you find an agent easily? Did you didn't find an agent, just went directly to a publishing house?
2: So in, in Spanish, you mean? Yes, exactly. So in mm. you know, uh, this is uh, something quite interesting. In the Spanish-speaking uh, world, uh, especially in Latin America, only recently agents starting. T- started to play a more prominent role.
1: Exactly, so same in
2: France. Exactly. So basically I did not have an agent. I wasn't looking for one, uh, and I started sending the book to publishers' emails. Like, "Hello, my, my name is Alia. <laughs> I wrote this book." Uh, or like, "Hola, me llamo Alia. <laughs> Escri- Escribí esta novela." So wow. and and that was quite um it was uh, it was really hard. Uh, because it wasn't easy to publish this book. And then in the end, um, the, the publishers in, in Spain were interested in the yeah. in the book before the publisher in Chile. So it, it came out uh, in two different publishers, uh, first in Spain and then in Chile, in, okay. with a six-month difference. Uh, but what helped me, really, was that I, I got a prize in Chile for an unpublished novel. So when I got that prize, it was easy to to, to then find, find a publisher. And the agent that I have, who's wonderful, and her name is uh, Laurence Lallou, I met her through Sophie Hughes
1: Yes, which uh, is your translator, my translator. Mm-hmm. So translator uh,
2: So when Sophie read the novel in Spanish She rang me I, I had never I I I basically we had met once. Uh she rang me on the phone and she was like, I, I want to t- translate this book and I want you to meet someone. And she introduced me to to Lawrence and it was Laurence who managed to get another story um interested in the
1: book. Uh unbelievable. So, one... so you published your novel first in a Spanish uh house, yep. then with a Chilean one yep. that you can reach thanks to your prize. Yep. And then Sophie, your translator, yep. Sophie Hughes, uh, rang you and she found an agent for you yeah this is so nice yeah so it, it
2: wasn't me really trying to mm-hmm. find uh especially an agent here in the uk i mean uh i wasn't really actively trying to to do that but mm-hmm. um it was through a common friend uh, carlos fonseca who who's a very good writer as well and um he, yeah, he gave my novel to Sophie, and Sophie liked it, and then she, she put me in touch with Laurence, and then Laurence uh, did the magic. <laughs> so And Sophie
1: did a lot more magic also. Yeah, she, she is someone I really wish I could interview, because yeah. she seems to do like, yeah. very, very interesting work in yeah. translation. Maybe, oh, I th- I think I heard that you're working on your next novel, mm-hmm. and I was wondering, what did you learn from the making of The Remainder?, Uh, that you will use in your second book or if I could put it in other words uh, what mistake did you do in the first book that you will do again in the second book?
2: Mm. I think in this new novel I want to try and be a bit less rigid like I had a plan with uh, after well once I I figured out what I wanted to do I sort of had a plan with with the remainder on how to keep on going and with this one I'm I think I want to explore a bit more without like allow myself to explore a bit more uh, without setting a, a fixed plan from the beginning so I started writing it and I get anxious because I, I I already want to know how like if it will have one voice or more voices the perspective and what will happen so all of these things and I feel Sometimes it's wise to leave those questions aside and just uh, submerge yourself in the writing and see what happens then. Um, so I'm trying not to ask myself so many questions and just uh, just experiment with the writing.
1: I see. Is that because you said that with your first novel, The Remainder, you had a plan, very like a very strict plan? Not a strict plan, but what happened to
2: me is that... Um, uh, I st- uh the novel has two different voices, right? So I, I very early on uh kind of found uh the, the voice of the female character, mm-hmm. Ikela, uh mm-hmm. and all and immediately the question uh came up, is this enough? Mm-hmm. I feel I need something else, mm. and so it was this quest to find the other voice, and and once I found it, it was okay, like a, a plan, mm. like I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna do one and one, and it was of course it's a it's a it's a, an experience and an, an experiment as well uh, in many many ways, um, but I feel like I would like to, I guess what I'm saying is I don't want to define the structure so early on. I oh, want right. to discover the structure and see what happens with my writing then, because I have a very abstract kind of uh, way of thinking. So for me, it's fascinating to think about structures mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it's, um, it's something that I tend to go to. And I wonder, it's like, a, an, exper- like an experiment to myself, I wonder what would happen if uh-huh. I don't have a structure. Mm. So that's my, I, I guess it's like a, a challenge
1: very um, very exciting and yes just uh without spoiling anything uh, there are two voices in the remainder and yes the second voice is very experimental and very very int- interesting so do read it <laughs> <laughs> thank you um i'm afraid we reached the uh, the end of this podcast so thank you very much for for your time and patience. uh passion sorry alia Trabukozaran now we are both warmed up for the next event tonight in spike island Uh, i will interview you in public about the remainder the first novel and you will read some extracts of your book and discuss it with the public hopefully thank you so much thank you so much julie my pleasure
0: And I now talk to our dear listeners. If you like this podcast, please let us know by subscribing, sharing and liking. You can find us on all the platforms under the name Novel Writers The Warm Up and we will be happy to read your thoughts and opinion on the Twitter page of Spike Island or on my page at Fuster Julie. Next first novel writers to be interviewed will be Condice Carty-Williams for Queenie, and Kim Sherwood for Testament. If you have any question to ask them, please share them on Twitter, and I will make sure to pass it on to them.